best likes the holiday crack name, Judah? <laughs> That's my youngest. I know. <laughs> Good Wednesday afternoon, guys. I'm Jerry Miller, and welcome to the I Love Seville show. Thank you kindly for joining us. Um, we are in downtown Charlottesville at our studio on Market Street, but the show is streamed worldwide. It's streamed anywhere you get your social media, anywhere you find your social content, and anywhere you get a podcast. This show is archived and airing upon. The program is um, intended to be dynamic, where you, the viewer and listener, are encouraged, very much encouraged, to shape the show and shape the discussion. We want to adapt to you with your ideas, your topic, your talking points, what's on your mind. All we want to do, Judah and I, is to be the water cooler of the conversation, where the conversation starts, but we don't mind taking a backseat to your ideas and your conversational talking points on the program. We want to highlight the uh, Blue Ridge Venture Fund, something that we're very proud of, where we're connecting um, investors in Central Virginia, folks with professional acumen, folks with capital to invest um, into small, medium, and large businesses to help them grow, to help them hire more people, to help them expand. The Blue Ridge Venture Fund is uh, a brand and a concept that was birthed in this building, and it's growing very quickly, and that certainly warms both our hearts. And both of us is this gentleman to my right, I'm to his left, Judah Wickhauer. I think he has undoubtedly blossomed on this show. He's putting content together on the I Love Seville uh, website, ilovesevil.com. For example, was it 11, Judah, 11 places for, for cutting down a Christmas tree that you put together yesterday? Is that right? Yep. That's correct. Which one jumped out at you before we got, we talked Brian Pinkston, this Ivy Project, and before we welcome Ginny Hu, Ginny Thompson to the show, which farm tickled your fancy the most? And then I'll let you know which one has impressed me the most. Hmm. Well, uh... Where did your family go? Well, that's the problem is that we used to go to uh, uh, 12 Ridges, which has now become a, uh, a winery and tasting room, and they've shut down their, uh, their Christmas tree production. So that's disappointing. But uh, I've heard, obviously, from, uh, from you and now from Ginny about the, uh, uh, what is it called, uh, fire? Fox fire. Fox fire, yeah. So that sounds, that sounds interesting. And I've got a friend out, uh, out in Scottsville, so um, I may have to... May have to check that place out. Uh, we've been going to Fox Fire for a handful of years. Jitty's been going to Fox Fire since she was uh, a little girl, since she was uh, very young, and she's carrying that family tradition on with with her children. Um, so I'm certainly going to pick her brain about that. I am very much, as I've gotten older, and as my wife and I have, uh, as she's had kids, I'm just there holding her hand. She's a rock star, like all moms are. I will say this after watching. I say this many times on the show. After watching my wife birth two children, I realize, and I sincerely mean this, that women should rule the world. Women can do things that men cannot do. They are superheroes, and we're here on this world to support them in our better halves. I sincerely mean that. Um, We are big when it comes to family tradition and making memories. My wife calls it making the magic for our boys. Um, And that, those memories and that magic is now very much, um, you know, 
traditions like cutting down trees, going to farms, um, eating at the same places around the holidays, or reading the books, and, and uh, the elf on the shelf who's nicknamed Dash, who finds a new location all over our house every day after our boys go to sleep, and to watch them come down the stairs every morning before school and scouring our living room or our kitchen or our foyer or our office somewhere on the first floor to see where Dash is that particular day. And we remind our boys that Dash is always watching and they always want to be on their best behavior. It's about the memories and the stories that come from it. That is what life is really about. We work hard for bricks and houses and building and, and, and shiny things. But the older I get, the more I realize it's these stories and these memories and these pictures that are the most important to me. So for the viewers and listeners, if you're looking for a place to build um, some family tradition or some holiday magic, visit ilovesevil.com and check out the hard work that Judah has done with 11 farms to cut down your Christmas tree near Charlottesville. The URL is ilovesevil.com forward slash Christmas trees. Now, Judah, I want to talk about last night's city council meeting. It was mm-hmm. long. It went into the wee hours of the night. There were numerous people commenting, folks commenting about the Verve, the building on Jefferson Park Avenue, yep. folks commenting about this 10-story, 124-foot apartment complex on Ivy Road, the site of a current bank. This building is being uh, planned or discussed or percolated. Um, Folks talking about the draft zoning ordinance. We're heading into the bottom of the ninth inning, and upzoning is about to be voted upon. The topic I, in particular, would like to chat about is the 10-story, 124-foot apartment complex, apartment tower on Ivy Road, the site of a current bank right on the city of Morrill County line. I want to unpack a lot of things I want to unpack that Brian Pinkston is one, one of five counselors. He works for UVA. Yep. He's an employee of UVA. I believe you wrote down his title. Yeah, he's an associate, he's associate director of renewal and uh, development department. So here we have a counselor who's employed by UVA, collects a paycheck from UVA, voting on a project that his employer, the University of Virginia, is vehemently opposed to. Yeah. The layers to the onion are many fold here. Is that a conflict of interest? Another layer to the onion. uh, The city council is pushing up zoning to create additional supply to uh, potentially create price point stability when it comes to real estate. Yet we have some on council opposed to this project. I'm opposed to this project, but I'm not voting here. I'm opposed to the Verve, but I'm not voting here. Some may call me a NIMBY. I say we need to consider infrastructure before we consider development. And the infrastructure is not there. Um, there's the UVA layer to the onion. And that layer to the onion is the University of Virginia doesn't want this project to materialize. Some folks are saying UVA is trying to kibosh this because they want to buy the land themselves. Which so they've done in the past. Which they've done in the past. They've done that with the, uh, according to the developer of this project, this 10-story, 124-foot apartment complex, the developer, out-of-town developer, right? They said that they were very close to buying Ivy Square Shopping Center. 
And then when the University of Virginia caught wind that they were going to buy Ivy Square Shopping Center, the University of Virginia jumped in and the bottom of the ninth inning to purchase Ivy Square Shopping Center, much to the disappointment of this out-of-market developer. I will stop talking. I want your take on this. Then I'm going to jump in. We'll banner back and forth. And then viewers and listeners, we know who the main attraction is, and it's Ginny Thompson, and she's about four and a half minutes away from being on the I Love Seville show. Judah, your thoughts first. Um, I mean, my thoughts are that we need we need production of housing, whether it's apartments or houses, and any movement in that direction is a good thing. Uh, but clearly, there are you know more arguments against it, uh, and city council seems to agree since they've uh, since they've they deferred it, it. Yeah, they deferred, deferred it. it. They didn't deny it. Right. They want to hear more from uh, the developers, and they want to hear more of the conversation between UVA and the developers, and at least that's what they say. The developer is Chicago-based up-campus student living. Here's some of the problems I have with the project, and then let's banner back and forth. I have a problem with um, up-campus, the Chicago-based developer, saying that most of the residents of this apartment tower are not going to have vehicles, they're not going to have cars, they're not going to have their own automobiles. I, I say that's absolutely ridiculous. The University of Virginia, I know firsthand, Judy knows firsthand, Judy knows firsthand, the viewers and listeners know firsthand, the students that go there come from wealthy families. They have vehicles. They have cars. Just take a look at what it's like to drive around Charlottesville or around grounds when school's in session, and then take a look at what it's like to drive around grounds when it's summertime and school is not. These folks will have cars. And if they're not providing adequate parking with this apartment tower, then that parking demand will creep into the Lewis Mountain neighborhood and beyond, and that puts a strain on the Lewis Mountain neighborhood that I think is unwarranted and unfair. I also think that that corridor, that area of road, that is right there between Almoral County, the city of Charlottesville, right by Ivy Square Shopping Center, by Moe's Barbecue, by the tennis shop, Lou Stevens, I love your place. That corridor is already a cluster duck, quack, 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 right now. Can you imagine putting hundreds of additional residents on that corridor when the roads cannot support it? Okay, but isn't that going to be the argument forever? Some I mean, will say that. Some will say that. Waiting for... Waiting for Charlottesville, you talk about infrastructure. Waiting for Charlottesville to uh, to do something about infrastructure could be we could be old and gray by the time that happens. How long have we been waiting for the bridge? And now we've spent how many years watching it get built? And I just don't know if uh, Charlottesville has the will to uh, to do what you're talking about with the inf- infrastructure to make to make some of these projects. Uh, what worthwhile? Eventually, eventually, we got to just say, okay, somebody build something. Stop stopping developers from building when we have a chance. Um, Kevin Yancey, watching the program. It is in fact ten stories at 124 feet. Spencer Pushard, welcome to the show. Thank you for the comments. The older you get, the more memories you make with families, and that's all that matters. Amen to that. Kevin, I did see that another um, tenant in Dairy Market has closed down. There is a lot of turnover there. I've noticed that as well. Um, look, here, well, we may agree to disagree on this. That, that makes for a fantastic talk show. Makes for a fantastic talk show. I think, and, and I've heard the argument that 
the folks can't go to bat supporting additional housing because they don't live here. They don't have that additional housing, so they don't live here. So how can they champion additional housing? People that say that there's projects that should be built that should house more people, if they're not living here, they can't champion that additional housing. You see what I'm saying? I've heard that argument made before. Who's not living here? The folks that would live in that housing. Okay, but some of them probably are living here. Well, I mean, Livable Charlottesville is an urban nonprofit that is very much backing this. Uh, Here's my issue with it. Here's my issue with it. My issue is specifically this. Specifically this. I think this is going to put a significant strain on the Lewis Mountain neighborhood. Okay. That Lewis Mountain neighborhood has been around for a really long time, and next week representatives from that uh, neighborhood, specifically Hillary Lewis, will join us in studio to talk about the Lewis Mountain position in regards to this building. So that's the Ivy building. Yes, that's the Ivy Building. That's the one we're talking about right here, the one on Ivy Road. I think it's going to put significant strain on them. I think that road is not set up for hundreds of additional residents. Okay. I also think that the, the um, building will stand out like a sore thumb in an area that UVA should have an influence on. I think UVA should have an influence on this Ivy Corridor because that's where UVA is expanding tour. I think this puts Brian Pinkston in a very precarious position. He's one of five people that's going to determine the outcome of a building that could potentially house hundreds of people. And And Brian Pinkston works for UVA. Yeah, so if he votes against it, it, uh, how do we know whether he's being... uh, pushed in one direction or another by, by UVA. How, how do we know he's being authentic with his vote? Or is he voting because he's paid by the folks that are opposed to it? Now, we know Brian Pinkston well. He's come on the program. Every indicator I have for Brian Pinkston is he's an upstanding human being. Yeah. He's a man that would do things the right way. Yeah. But I, the optics... Right. The optics are questionable. Yeah, I wouldn't guess that he's going to... That he's got skin in this game or that he's going to you know, vote because of this, a particular way because of the school but uh, you're right, it does it does smack of of, uh, of him being swayed. Carly Wagner watching the program, so a, a well run she says, proactive jurisdiction would ask that the developers uh, proffer road improvements to offset the increased traffic. That's a great point is that conversation being had right now? It's a good question. Pinkston literally said in the meeting that the developers and UVA should meet. I found that odd. Hmm. Why I find that odd is because a counselor is basically telling a developer who owns land to meet with another entity so that other entity can shape the vision or outcome of the project. I find that odd. But isn't he wanting them to meet because UVA specifically has has problems with the... UVA's problems are the height. UVA's problems are they don't control the project or the outcome of where it's going to go. I mean, that's cut to the chase. That's what UVA's problems are. The building is extremely tall. It's going to stick out like a sore thumb, and UVA does not have control over this. Probably UVA is so a little s- bit irritated. They didn't buy it themselves. So you're saying that uh, his, his insisting that they meet isn't going to come to anything other than what we already know. I, I, him insisting them to meet would be, from my standpoint, a waste of time. Certainly for the developer. The developer said that last night. Yeah. Why would I do this? Right. All, they, don't, they want to kibosh this. We'll follow the story closely. 
we have, and we're going to shift gears in a matter of moments. If you want to put that, the, the lower third, what we're talking about on screen, I'll dot the I's and cross the T's before we welcome Ginny to the show. My opinion, I don't want to speak for Judah, my opinion is this project is not suited for this location. Can you consider a project at a smaller scale? Can you consider a project that offers proffers to the Lewis Mountain neighborhood specifically? Can you consider a project that does a better job of parking management? Not providing parking for all the residents in the apartment tower seems short-sighted me, to me. Can you sit, consider a project in an entry quarter? This is a primary entry quarter to the city and to UVA that matches the feel and character and dynamics of the rest of the corridor. Right now, how it's being planned, it does not. Okay, and, and from a UVA standpoint, UVA made a major mistake here. They should have purchased this property if they wanted influence of what it was going to become. You can't have your cake, and, as Judah says, and eat it too. Do I say that? Maybe it's my son that says that. Maybe it's these delicious cookies that Ginny has brought us that says that. UVA should have purchased this if they wanted to say of what was going to happen. Okay, so you screwed up and made a mistake there at University of Virginia. Yep. And as a result, you got Charlottesville City Council in a very precarious position. These guys are making eighteen dollars and $20,000 a year. Mm -hmm. Brian Pinkston is in a very tough spot. And if I was Brian Pinkston, and Brian Pinkston watches and listens, listens to this show, I would recuse myself from this vote. Because if he votes in favor of the apartment tower, his employer is going to be upset. And if he votes against the apartment tower, many in the community are going to say he's voting because of a paycheck. Mr. Pinkston, recuse yourself. Four other people can vote. Now, I want to go to the next topic. We'll get a studio camera and a, uh, then a three-shot in. Ginny Thompson is in the house. Before we talk Ginny Thompson, I'm going to open up this tin of cookies that she gave one. I think she gave one. Judy, you got yours over there? Oh, yeah. These are legitimately, and it's no offense to any of the bakers that do this full-time in any jurisdiction or any city or town, in particular ours, Ginny, these are the best, some of the best. I'm going to say some of the best so I don't get the hate. Some of the best cookies I have legitimately had in my entire life. Is it a secret recipe? No. Can you let us know what some of these ingredients are? These are so good. The finish, mm -hmm. that minty finish is amazing. <laughs> it's seriously amazing. I'm going to eat them. The show is yours, Ginny. Um, well, the whole reason I love them is I like, I like a soft cookie. Yeah. So, Me yeah. too. Definitely. So, yeah, nothing secret. It's... Um, Butter, vanilla, flour, brown sugar. It's got both white chocolate chips and semi-sweet chocolate chips. I love the white chocolate chip. But the kicker is the non-pareas, those little, yep. the little teeny balls you can get in that different crunch. colors. Yeah. They're just so, right. So uh, for Christmas, we put red, red, white, and green ones. Mm -hmm. Well, why don't you do this? Introduce, mm -hmm. these are the best cookies I've ever had. Both of us are encouraging her to create a brand and a website and to sell these. Maybe they can be done as a fundraiser to the many uh, efforts that she's currently volunteering within. Um, I would love if you could take an opportunity to introduce yourself to the viewers and listeners of our Fine and Fair talk show, how long you've been in the area, what's attracted you to the area, what you love about the area. Um, fantastic husband. His birthday is today. It is. Happy I, birthday. Happy birthday, Dave. <laughs> yes. I sent you a friend request, Dave. You have three kids. I do. Um, the show is yours on all those topics. Oh. Well, I'll eat your cookies. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I have been here since 1994. I'm originally from Tidewater. 
Went to a rival high school of yours. Oh, no, you did. <laughs> uh, can I say? Sure. NA, right? No, I went to Nansman Suffolk. Nansman Suffolk. Okay. NSA. She went to yeah. Nansman Suffolk. I went to Walsingham <laughs> Academy. Um, fellow TCIS uh, Tidewater Conference of Independent Schools um, competitor, uh, Ginny Thompson. <laughs> um, so came here in 94 to attend UVA for undergrad. I only went home one summer and then never left again. I was fortunate to luck into a job at James River Runners. So I, nice. spent, I spent 15 summers working there, even after I'd graduated. Best job ever. Um, so yeah, I graduated and met, so graduated in May of 98, met my husband in August, future Ooh. husband in August. How'd you guys meet? Okay, so my oldest child won't like me telling the story, but the younger two find it funny. Okay. Uh, he was a bartender at Sloan's. Oh, nice. I was the drunk at the bar. Okay, so bartender at Sloan's, <laughs> that's the current Sedona Tap House. Yes. It was the Milmock Grill behind Barracks Road Shopping Center. So Dave is behind the bar. He's looking handsome and dapper. Jenny's ponied up to the bar, and she's like, look at that bartender. Is that what's happening over there? Okay, well, I actually went in to see a different bartender. So oh! Full, full disclosure. Okay. Um, but he was working, and we headed off. And so Sloaney, David Sloan already knows the story, so I'm not getting anybody in trouble. Um, we chatted all night. I went to pay, and the only thing on my tab was my food. Okay. And you got to keep in mind, this was late 90s. You still paid for things with checks. Yep. So I paid with a check. My phone number was on the check. I got home, went straight to bed, and the phone rings. One of my roommates answers. He had taken my phone number off my check to quote unquote, make sure I got home okay. I like it. Smooth operator. And, uh, but my roommate thought it was my ex-boyfriend, and so she wouldn't give him any info. <laughs> wow, okay. And then the next day, we both, he was not working, but we both showed up at Sloan's again, hoping the other would be there, and the rest is history. So this was, uh, you said summer of 98? Mm-hmm. So you guys have been together for 25 plus years. 25, over half of my life. Over half of your life. <laughs> dating uh, and or married over half of your life. What is the secret for the viewers and listeners for 25 plus years of compatibility? Ooh, um, learn to forgive. Okay. <laughs> um, Respect. Learn that everything isn't puppies and rainbows. And Amen. that's okay. That's very normal. Um, that during... During your toughest times, if you hang in there, it, it does get better. It gets, um, like, our marriage is happier now than it, it's ever been. It's, it's a good place to is be. Is that because you have no, and I'm speaking from personal experience, is that because you have no babies' babies in the house? I know you have babies in the house, but I'm talking, like, the ones under two, because um, it's pretty darn hard right now. Yeah. For my wife and I. I, um, well, so those early years... With the first, uh, they were pretty good, too. Um, Your oldest is in college. Yes, she's Kay. 20. Okay. And then, um, oh, Dave's going to kill me. I'm just spilling it all. I um, like it. So when our now middle child was six months old, he lost his job. And as anybody who has had a spouse unemployed, um, you know, it, it makes things tough. And yeah. so there were some tough times there because... Uh, and he did everything he could. He, he took odd jobs. He delivered pizza. He waited tables at Outback um, until he got hired by his current company, um, whom we love. And that's Faulkner Construction, since I'm spilling everything anyway. <laughs> uh, and, but even anybody who's been employed knows 
like, let's say you're unemployed for three months. It doesn't just take three extra months to get back into the swing of things, Uh right? It can take years. So those years were probably the toughest we went through. You you love them, I can tell. You got emotional there. Uh, Put that emotion in perspective. Why the emotion? Um, Thinking about how hard he worked, um, how much we had to work through personally, because it's hard not to argue when you're trying to figure out how to pay the mortgage and and that kind of stuff. Um, Thinking about the friends and family who stepped in to help, it was... Um, it was a tough time, but looking back, I'm glad we really that I'm really glad that we lived through it because it just makes you appreciate things all the more. Well said. And and to have better understanding for people in tough circumstances. I love that. I love um, I love that. That's love right there. Um, put what Charlottesville means to you in perspective. Is this? Uh, would you say you have a love-hate relationship with Charlottesville? Would you say you absolutely love Charlottesville? I mean, put the Charlottesville area, because you're, you're, you're in the county, yeah. but, I mean, let's cut to the chase. No one really knows where the line is. <laughs> and if you were traveling somewhere, you would probably say, I'm from the Charlottesville area, because mm-hmm. no, one, no one really, I mean, I've said before, I live in the Keswick area, and people are like, what? I live in Charlottesville. Oh, you live there. Uh, what's this community mean to you? Um, there are many things I love about it, and I wouldn't say hate, but there are many things that aggravate me deeply. <laughs> about it. I know that Um, feeling. So, I mean, obviously I love it or I wouldn't have stayed for so long. That There are great things here. Um, It can be tough, but it can also still be a good place to raise your family as long as you stay on top of things. But, I mean, that's going to be the case no matter where you are. I am very much... I grew up on the water. It's hard for me not being on the water. I do like the mountains, but that was one of the great things about working at James River Runners, even though it's a different form of water here, you know, still kind of soothed my soul. Um, so, yeah, I, I, like, I like that we're, cl- like, I like the small town feel, but still being close to things, bigger things to do. Yeah, you got uh, props coming in left and right. She's a oh, popular okay. lady in this community. We'll <laughs> highlight uh, Melissa Thomas. She uh-huh. says Ginny is the absolute best. Uh, is it Lenny E. Do the second? Yeah. Giving you big time props right now. Uh, <laughs> Melissa Thomas, uh, Margie Roach. Roach. Yeah, Margie. Yeah. Margie, hello. Linda Mack, welcome to the program. If you want to give Ginny some props, put them in the comment section and I'll relay them live on air. Carly says, Jerry, I hate my husband as long <laughs> as I have a baby under two. Right around two years old, I fall in love with him all over again, even more than before. I think it's hormones for mamas uh, when it comes to the babies. Any comments on that one, Ginny? Uh, It can be tough, yeah. (laughs) Um, Especially if you're the only one getting up at night or, you know, when um, when we brought our third home from the hospital, my husband fell really ill. And so those first few weeks of her life, I wouldn't let him near her because I didn't want her to catch whatever it was. But that was that was hard. So, because uh, we had two older kids too, and so I was doing it all. So yeah, I, yeah, it can. Those little ones can put a strain on you. You're getting props right now from um, Scotty Waring. Waring, yeah. Waring, watching the program. Vanessa Parkhill, welcome to the show. Thank you kindly for joining us, Vanessa. We need to get you on the program as well. All right, let's talk to let's talk nitty gritty. And one of the things I'll, I want to give the viewers and listeners some perspective on how we got here with Ginny. Ginny watches our show on Twitter. 
And we have made a connection through the show with her comments and perspective that she shares often during real time of the program. Um, and I've found her comments and perspective that she shared on stuff we've discussed on the show, on the comments from viewers and listeners on the show, to be profound, um, thought-provoking for me personally. Um, I have identified or found them agreeable uh, or, or to what I believe in with my personal beliefs, my family's personal beliefs, and I'd say like 95% of circumstances. Uh, I sincerely mean that. She has perspective on education. She has perspective on homeschooling. She has perspective on public and private schooling directions. She has perspective on the local elections that just transpired. She has the perspective on what this area needs, just a a wealth of information she has shared on Twitter. And that's tough to do because how many characters do you get? You get like... Is, oh. it, is it 140? It's more than 140 now that Elon's got it, right? How many is it? Um, it'll still cut you off if you don't have the blue check. Okay. Yeah. Okay. okay. And, which I do not have the blue check because I'm not paying for the blue check. I totally get that. I, we don't pay for the blue check either. <laughs> We're with you here. We'll just send more tweets. That's yeah, what we do. And that's what I do. You should see me at home, like, deleting, you know, using shorthand, trying to get the message across. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. I want to talk schools first. You get the headlines on screen, if you could, on one shot so folks can see what we're going to talk about. All right. The state of education in the Charlottesville area, open-ended question, anywhere you want to go in the state of education. Oh, gosh. That's a big one. Um, You homeschool. We do. Um, We started when our oldest was going into fourth, so the younger two have always been homeschooled, other than they went to a Christian preschool. Uh Um, But it doesn't mean that I don't believe in public education. These are going to be the people that my children work with. They're going to be the people running our government. Um, It benefits all of us to have a strong um, public school system. Homeschooling was just the right choice for us, and I think... um, That's my biggest thing uh, is for parents to know that they have the strength within them to make the best decision per child for what their educational needs are. We have friends who have children that they homeschool that are in public school and in private school. So it's, you know, and that's within one family. Um, So having those options is wonderful to meet your child's needs. As far as uh, what's going on locally, this is, uh, so I have a number of friends who either took early retirement from teaching locally or switched school systems, um, either to the county or to um, private school. And I think if you talk to enough of them, you'll hear, it's very easy for the media to say, oh, these problems started in 2020. That is very far from the truth. Um, these problems have been around for a while and growing. You mean 220, you're talking pandemic? Yeah, when, they, when we shut down schools and just, you know, basically told our youth that, you know, that wasn't, you weren't, that wasn't essential. Right, which is crazy. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the problems have been around a lot longer than that and just slowly building I think um, we no longer, and this isn't just our area, this is all over, we no longer offer the quality of education we used to offer. Um, We no longer make academics a priority. And as we were discussing before the show, accountability is a huge factor. If you, 
it's great to say, yeah, we have a dress code, but if you don't enforce it, what's the point in having it? And that's just a minor detail. I'm just throwing that out there as an example. Um, what I'm wondering with the current talks going on, we're not hearing anybody make any say that there are going to be any rules and changes and how they're going to enforce them. And I have a huge issue with that. Um, what do you think of the uh, school board races? Um, it's, it's no secret if you follow my comments on the show or my own social media, I was a supporter of Dr. Bryce. Mm -hmm. I think, okay, let's put it this way. If we had a school board of all the same political, we know that they're not supposed to be politically affiliated, but hello, reality, they are. Right. If we had a school board of all the same political affiliation and things were going well, okay, great. But the fact of the matter is things aren't going well. And having a different voice, I believe, would have hugely benefited our area. And even though, yes, that was an Admiral County School Board race, I think you would have seen ramifications for the city as well. 100%. I think you would have seen it spill over into um, not only the city, but even the county surrounding Albemarle. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, had Dr. Bryce had won and beat um, Allison Spillman, who ran a very uh, crafty and um, impactful campaign, I mean, she won by a landslide, um, I think that uh, Dr. Bryce would have still been one of um, a handful of supervisors and the remaining su or, uh, school board members and the remaining school board members would have had, in most circumstances, dissenting opinions to hers. So the voting would have still probably played out the same way. But to Ginny's point, there would have been um, a different voice that papered the trail. And papering the trail is the start of conversation, and conversation is the first step to change. Um, and I echo what Ginny said, that um, I don't think that many of the schools, um, public specifically, are running as they should. We had, well, we'll get into Charlottesville High School. Uh, we'll highlight the letter to the editor, which I want to weave you in the mix in on the letter to the editor. We, are, we, we saw the email that was sent to parents from Burley Middle School. Um, over the last few days at Burley Middle School, um, there was a fight between a group of students and a teacher where a group of students uh, got into it with one teacher knocking the teacher down uh, to the ground. Um, and in the process of doing this, the scuffle, the fight, whatever you want to call it, the students involved and those watching were filming, live streaming, and posting to social media um, what was happening as opposed to intervening. Burley has contacted the parents. I've seen the email and said they're aware of what happened. They're investigating. They have contacted the proper authorities, but it's going to be an internal matter and it's going to be handled without much more information to those um, parents that have students in the schools. I'll get out of the way here. Ginny, you jump in. Judah, you jump in at after Ginny goes. If I'm a parent of students at, of kids at Burley, and there was a group of students that got into it with the teacher to the point where the teacher was knocked down by the group, uh, and the teacher was hurt, and then that was filmed and broadcasted all over social media, me personally as a father, I would want information on what happened. 
And I would want to know the steps to make sure this kind of stuff doesn't happen again. I would be incredibly aggravated by an email that said that this is going to be handled internally and not much information was going to be released to the parents. This is the kind of stuff that we saw at Charlottesville High School that caused teachers to take three days off from school with what we'll call as a sick out. It cannot be a strike because they risk their jobs. Sick out, I know this is tomato, tomato, um, is something that does not risk their employment. We back the teachers here. So I want to throw this to you here. The, uh, Judah, you jump in after Ginny. The events that transpired at Charlottesville High School with the sick out, this burly news that we're the first talking about here on the show, um, metal detectors, school resource officers, adults being let in through side doors. Um, it's vulnerable. It's precarious out there in the public educational world. Anywhere you want to go. Um. Well, I think, you know, first of all, we need to realize the reason we have a teacher shortage is all the good teachers are leaving because of this behavior that's going on. Mm -hmm. um, we do still have some wonderful ones hanging in there, and, and God bless them, because I, I wouldn't be doing it. And you're taught, um, it does come down to safety and security and rules and accountability. I'm involved with a number of organizations that support youth, and always for me, my first priority is safety and security of those students. Um, you know, we know how the world is these days and you just, you just can't risk it. So you're talking about people being let in through the side doors. How that's even happening in a school in this day and age, I'm, you know, baffles me and that we haven't gotten any follow-up on that. And with Charlottesville High School in particular, I was concerned when they first came out, um, with changes in leadership and this plan. Well, and y'all talked about the letter. Was it yesterday that the sub said she wasn't even greeted when, when she came in? On, on Monday, that, edit, that letter ran. Uh, we talked about it on Monday and some on Tuesday. Judy can get to that. She was not greeted at the door. She did not have a key to get into her classroom. Mm -hmm. The students were waiting out in line outside of the classroom for her first period. She realized when she got to the door that she had no access to it, so the students just waited in the hallway. She had no um, intelligence when it came to the Wi-Fi, the school internet, the Wi-Fi, and getting on there. You need that if you're going to teach kids. She didn't know where the bathroom was, where she was supposed to go to the bathroom, and she had no guidance on unruly student. An unruly student wanted to go to the bathroom, asked the teacher, the sub, to go to the bathroom, she noticed that he had his cell phone in, on his person, and she said, you can go to the bathroom, but you have to leave the cell phone here. He barked at her and just sprinted out of the classroom, and there was nothing she could do about it. And that's, her description is a perfect example of what I was concerned with, is that this was just going to be a photo op. I mean, those photos looked really good when students went back, didn't they? You know, you're seeing handshaking going on and smiles and greeting, and I'm not saying that there weren't well-intentioned people there because I firmly believe there were adults there who really want to help and want to be part of the solution. But if we don't immediately put new rules in place and have them enforced and fix the safety issues, that has to be done, and then we can concentrate on the academics that should have been happening all along. It never should have gotten to this point where academics wasn't being put first. Judah, you jump in before I go to Judah. Britton Trimble giving her props. <laughs> Brian Wilberger giving her props. Dave, Dave, your husband, says, I absolutely love that woman. Judah, the show's yours. <laughs> I mean, one thing that uh, we've 
heard repeatedly, not just from uh, not just from the substitute teacher, but from a lot of the a lot of the parents in in these news articles, is that they just want more information. Uh, they want communication, which is completely understandable, especially when you've got things like you know roving bands of hooligans running around your school getting into fights. I would be seriously concerned for my my children and if the school was giving you know pat uh, short unhelpful uncommunicative answers i would be I'd be seriously angry. You think it was all an optics play to try to regain trust through optics, Ginny. They had these two listening sessions with the parents and the teachers and administrators. They had, as Ginny highlighted, this photo opportunity on the first day after Thanksgiving where we saw Mayor Snook out there yeah. greeting students. We saw Dr. Wes Bellamy out there greeting students. We saw Bellamy Brown out there greeting students. Mm -hmm. um, a number of local stakeholders giving them high fives. The media was there, TV and print. To, we talked about it on the show. And then we have a substitute teacher who's got seven years of in-classroom experience. She's subbing now because she's pursuing a PhD. But she was a teacher for seven years. Say, this is what I experienced at Charlottesville High School as a substitute. Dr. Gurley, the superintendent, is not being straightforward with us, the superintendent of Charlottesville yeah. Public Schools. Do you think it was smoke and mirrors to try to potentially play a shell game to regain parental trust? I would really like to say no. <laughs> um, like I said, I do think there were people there in good faith. Mm -hmm. But I agree. overall, whether they intended it this way or not, overall, all it became was a photo op because we're not, we're already not seeing change. Um, and I, to Judah's point about communication, I haven't, I just saw a blurb on Twitter. I haven't been able to follow up on this, but that... We haven't been told, so the, the students that, the 30 to 50 who have been causing problems, were emails being sent home? Were phone calls being made? Um, I would like, I'm sure you're going to have some parents that just aren't mm. going to respond and that's why their kids yeah. are behaving this way anyway, right? But I'd like to think out of 50, maybe there would be a few that would, would step in. So, um that lack of communication to the community at that point, I, I would really like to know, was this just never addressed? Because the last thing I saw on Twitter, parents were coming forward and saying we had never heard anything. Yeah. Judah, any thoughts? Kelly Jackson watching the program. KJ says private schools around here are going to get full very quickly. She, her oldest mm -hmm. is in public school at Monticello. Her youngest is in private school. KJ also says the, sh the school should call the parents and make them pick up their misbehaved kids. The parents will get sick of that really quickly. Amen to that, KJ. Amen mm -hmm. to that. Yeah, but that, once again, that goes back to if you have a parent paying attention and answering the phone. I mean, if, if they're already not involved, what, yeah. we need a positive solution for those kids, too. Yeah. Is a, go, you jump in. Is a positive solution? You don't have to go on this anywhere you want to go. Is it a positive solution, short-term accountability around suspension and or expulsion? And is a positive solution night school or alternative schooling that is not tied to the traditional school environment of Charlottesville High School? Because that's what's being bantered and, and utilized as a remedy now. Suspension, expulsion, 
First, it's sending them home. Mm-hmm. Then it's suspension. Then it's either night school or expulsion. But it's extraction from the school nevertheless. Anywhere you want to go, Judah, and then Ginny, you jump in. Free flow and dialogue here. Uh, well, the substitute gives several reasons why uh, they don't think uh, they don't think uh, suspension and expulsion are particularly effective or useful. And uh, they also mentioned that they don't think uh, night school. I don't know anything about night school. Uh, never this is in the letters to the editor, which yeah. you're referencing, okay. and uh, talks about how. Uh, they talk about alternative methods of, of um, and I don't know how much of this is, it, I, I believe the, the letter to the editor was written by someone who is specifically studying, to, um, studying these fields. Um, and I think they talk about restorative justice and uh, getting the students to, I think, I think getting the students to realize what it is they're doing, not just to other students in the in the uh, the classrooms and the school, but also to themselves. Uh, and uh, yeah, I don't think ultimately, I don't think it's I don't think it's helpful to just to just write the students off. They there needs to be a way to uh, to bring them back to to get them, you know, to be normal kids again. <laughs> Right, Ginny, you can jump in here. I'll highlight Nakia Walker's Facebook posts where Nakia Walker, the former mayor, has indicated that she wants to um, get involved. Um, we gave her the benefit of the doubt on this talk show. And how she wants to get involved is on the side of the 30 to 50 students that she has indicated are being made scapegoats throughout this. She has highlighted, and I'm paraphrasing here, but it's a fair uh, paraphrasing, that if extraction or suspension or expulsion or night school is utilized as the remedy, that to Judah's point, and this also came up with the letter to the editor from the substitute, that this is uh, potentially a more damning path for those students with their long-term future. Some have highlighted that this could be the start of a pipeline-to-prison path. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are extracted from the public schools and put into either a suspension, expulsion, or night school type of scenario. Uh, Carly Wagner, I'll get to your comments as they pertain to Kelly's comments. Kelly Jackson's in a matter of moments. Ginny, multiple people are saying you're a wealth of information on the program. Thank you. Um, anywhere you want to go on this. Um, I see both sides of this argument. I, I think the hard part is... Um, we just went through this, and one of the organizations I help with, I made my husband do the math. So... My whole thing was I didn't want to punish 94.28% of the good kids uh-huh. mm-hmm. for that small minority yeah. that uh, was choosing not to follow the rules. Okay. What we did is we cracked down on rules and, and made them even more clear and added a few in. Now, so the majority of kids at Charlottesville High School either really want to learn or at least behaving themselves, right? Mm-hmm. We have to think of them first. I know that's going to bring out some haters, but these kids... I 1,000% agree. I 1,000% agree. (laughs) Um, These kids deserve the education that they're showing up for. Now, I'm not saying write the 30 to 50 students off at all. um, However, if you're going to continue... like I, I can't keep going and breaking into the little market over here and never suffer the consequences, right? Yeah. Um, we've got to have consequences. 
And if ultimately that is suspension, sorry, y'all, I'm, I'm for that. Now, as far as night school goes, I do have questions about that. Is it going to be, okay, so we already don't have enough staff for KTEC, right? what specifically will they be teaching at night school and do they have the staff to do so? And I haven't seen answers to those questions. Ma, Vanessa Parkhill is watching in Earliesville. She says, I think I would enjoy having a drink with Jenny Hu. That would be and wonderful. <laughs> she also says that Dr. Bryce would have been great for local schools. Um, Carly Wagner, I'm going to highlight your comments here. Judy, you jump in following. Carly Wagner, in response to Kelly Jackson, says this. Private schools are already full. There are waiting lists on all of them. Multiple schools trying to revise their special use permits to expand enrollment to meet waiting lists. Homeschooling is booming as it well. Is. Desperate parents asking frequently how to homeschool when both parents work or single working parents. I, did, I cannot keep my kids in the system is what parents are asking right now. Carly Wagner also says um, that it all starts way before high school. How did kids get to be 15 or older and care so little about themselves? I say that with compassion, that they are happy to throw away all their future. As a society, we've been slowly taking away emphasis and priority on family, but the foundation of behavior are not established by high school, high school administrators or teachers. It starts at home with the parents before kids are even in preschool. Echo that. I 1,000% echo that. Judah, I want you to jump in in any direction you want to go. Folks are asking you specifically about the homeschooling path. I see maybe a dozen comments about this. They're asking about cost. Mm -hmm. They're asking about time involvement. Mm -hmm. This all pertains to the headline that you suggested, educational freedom. So maybe we'll get the who, what, when, where, why in homeschooling from a mom who's done it with three kids. Yes. With three kids. Judah, show us yours, and then we'll go to that topic. I... I agree 100% that, uh, that first and foremost, we have to watch out for the kids that are there to learn and who, <laughs> and who, are, you know, who are negatively affected by, by you know, this bad behavior. At the same time, uh, we need to work on a way to, uh, you know, we need to, I think the school needs to communicate better, uh, not just with the parents, um, the parents of the kids who are, who are acting out, but also with the parents of the kids that are, you know, possibly terrified to go to school on a daily basis. And their parents may just be hearing, you know, what their kids think about things. And I, they really do deserve better communication from the schools so that, so that they are aware of what their kids may be stepping into on a daily basis. I mean, come on. And, uh, and additionally, um, while I think it's they did the right thing by removing the the, uh, the problem kids from the school for the time being, there there needs to be a, a better way to uh, to deal with the problem than just removing them from the school. Somebody somebody needs to interact with those kids and help them figure out what you know what it is they need to uh, to get back on the right path. John Blair, I'll get to his comments on LinkedIn. You got a lower third right there if you could put on screen. Ginny, we're going to go to you on homeschooling. The show's on fire. John Blair says, Jerry, I think a bigger question here is this. Should we acknowledge that not every student learns in the same manner? Yeah. I think some students simply mm -hmm. do not learn well with the traditional model. I know that is controversial, but would a voucher system for certain students be a better idea? If those children have difficulty with 
If those children have difficulty with the traditional lectures, lecture scenario, do we need to provide them with the means to find alternative learning methods? He's talking school vouchers and alternative learning methods. This is perfectly suited for educational, what did you call it, educational freedom? Mm -hmm. Show is yours. Um, this is right up your alley. It, it is. Yeah. Um, I get a, You're passionate about I this. Am. I can I really tell. Am. I can tell. Um, both Carly and John have some excellent points there. I actually, um, and it, if if you're looking at one of my social media profiles, it's the top and the links to the blog there. And so, the newest post I actually did is on if you've chosen to homeschool, what are the, like the top seven things you need to know. So that's there for anybody who may want it. Um, let me start with John's first. Uh, yeah, that acknowledging different learning styles is one of the greatest gifts you can give your children. Um, because my, my biggest thing, when we started homeschooling, I wanted my children to be well-read. But even more than that, I wanted them to know how to learn, not what to learn. And um, because if you instill that love of learning and encourage it and keep it growing, um, they can do anything that they want to do. And so when we, when we create this one-size-fits-all, um, you're losing a lot of people. I mean, all three of mine learn very differently. Um, my youngest is very much an auditory learner, and so she would sit there. She would be in preschool, and she would sit there and listen to her older siblings' history and science lessons. She'd just be coloring, and she would absorb it all. She could repeat it back to you. Now, to get the child to sit down and do a worksheet was a whole nother. <laughs> A whole other ball game. That was not her jam, you know. And so, um, for us with homeschooling, we were able to accommodate all of that. You will find some private schools who are able to accommodate that, but it even gets tough in that setting because you're still going to have probably 12 to 15 kids per classroom at least, right? So it gets a little harder to suit those individual needs. With I believe it was Carly that was talking about how single parents do at cost that that kind of stuff. Uh huh. Um, I'm a huge proponent of if you want to make this work, you can. I have friends across the spectrum. There are single parents who, who make homeschooling work. There are parents where both parents in the household work outside of the home who make this work. Um, there are some like me who work from home who make this work. Um, different races, different socioeconomic backgrounds. If you, and in fact, um, even before 2020, there was a huge surge, I can only speak to here in Virginia, in, um, in uh, different races and ethnicities deciding to homeschool their children. It really is on the rise. I know not too long ago I sent you the 2022 numbers uh -huh. for homeschooling in the state. Um, so in that respect, don't just because it looks like it's going to be difficult, don't let that stop you. Um, there are numerous, what there is out there now for homeschooling is incredible. Um, online programs, you know, various learning styles, hands-on things. There are organizations that will walk you through what curricula to choose. You never have to feel alone. I mean, even since we started, there are, there are more resources than there were just, you know, what was that? How long have I been doing it? 
12, 13 years, 14 years, I don't know, however long I've been doing it. How about this follow-up <laughs> question from one of the viewers and listeners? Thomas says, how do you maintain socialization with adolescents who desperately need to be socialized with, other, with their peers with homeschooling? Please ask your guest that question. Okay, hmm. I love this question. It's one of my favorites, and it always makes me laugh. Um, and, and this isn't to pick on anybody, but the socialization question does come from people who have never spent time with homeschoolers. Okay, okay. It very much does. It's a valid question if you've never homeschooled or been around one. I can see why it concerns people. The reality is there are so many opportunities out there. We are constantly having to turn down social um, engagements to make time for academics. That, that's the reality. And I would also, I would push back a little bit, um, define peers for me. It is not, think about it. All, I mean, even though we're close in age, all three of us in this room are different ages, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Anybody who goes to a job, do you sit in a room with all 47-year-olds all day long? No. Is that Is that who you engage with? No. No. Okay. So, <laughs> so I, I have a question on the peer part. Um, my children spend every day amongst various age groups learning from different people, older and younger. Um, you should see them in the grocery store. Uh, the Kroger employees love them. They come up to talk to them. <laughs> how they're doing. Um, for specific socialization, if you're looking at things, there are, there are obviously homeschool co-ops, if, you, if that's up your alley. But there's church, 4-H, scouting, um, there are music lessons, there are, um, a shout out to a local business, Stacy's Music has this wonderful program called Highway to Rock. Okay. And if you're a drummer, you have an opportunity to actually play with a real band at the Southern once a year. Nice. Um, and then for the older kids, they put together two, actu- and if they have more kids, more real bands. So the teens are playing in a real band together and get to play at the Southern in front of a wow. whole, you know. Um, both my older two did that. Um, they're, you know. We are lucky in this area. This is not true for all areas in homeschooling, but here in particular, we have access to sports outside of the school system, right? We have soccer or lacrosse, basketball are the ones that are coming to mind immediately. Um, And we also have, I know at least Regents does, I don't know if any of the other private schools do, they will allow homeschoolers on their team if they have spots open. Nice. My I didn't old, know that. Yeah, my oldest played volleyball for them. Okay. And then in some areas that are even larger, like Tidewater has a whole homeschool sports team, you know, all the sports, and they travel and play different places. So socialization is not a problem, I promise you. In fact, they'll be, in my opinion, better socialized than most youth. Very hot button issue right it here is. on this one. Here, it is. Th- 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 it's this huge. Is, this one's going to be even more hot button. School vouchers. Should we have a school voucher system in the Commonwealth of Virginia? School vouchers, I'll put it in perspective. James Watson, I'll get to your comments next. Johnny Ornalis, hello. Thank you for watching the show. School vouchers, I'll outline this way. You put a price on what it costs to educate a student in the public school system, and whatever that price is, um, money that's coming from the government, um, you create a, you, 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 you issue a check in the form of that value to the parents where they could utilize that check as a form of payment to, for, to find alternative education, whether it's homeschooling, private schools, vocational, um, you name it. 
basically you're valuing public education and taking that value and giving the money to the parents to make their own choice of how their kids are going to be educated. This is a hot button topic. It is. Um, and I can see why on paper it's a good idea. Um, and you've heard me say, I definitely believe in supporting your child's learning style. I mean, and the, I'm never going to be against that. I've also heard Here, you say you support the public schools. I do. Yeah. I do. If, yeah. if that's the right fit for your family, by all means, you know, do that. And that's why we need a strong public school system, because some people, you know, don't have other options. Here's the issue with vouchers. And it's not the voucher per se, but it's the government tie to it that I have an issue with. Uh-huh. Because will it come with strings attached? Um, this also, if you're familiar with homeschooling at all, this ties into the same idea behind the Tebow bill, okay. which is to allow homeschoolers to play on public sports teams. Uh-huh. Um, for decades now, um, homeschoolers have fought very hard for their rights. Um, I can specifically say in Virginia, but in other states as well. If we or a private school were to take a voucher that's government money, at what point does the government then decide they have some say in what is being taught with that money? Probably knowing our government right out of the gate. Uh-huh. From day one. That, that's my feeling, yeah. too. Yeah, and that's terrifying because um, these are our kids and their future. Is that where you're going? Yeah. Okay. So um, if you could promise me that, yeah, I can take that voucher and use it and still teach the way I want to teach, Great. But I don't, I don't think that's the reality. Um, let's go to James Watson. James, I appreciate your comments. James, I saw that you posted this on Facebook. Very active in school board meetings. He attends all the PTO meetings, the PTO meetings um, pertaining to his kids. Uh, I respected that comment when I saw you post that on social, James. He says this, I have hope that some of the younger kids that are coming through are going to do better in our area public schools. Being a parent of an adult who graduated during COVID and kids who were just starting school during COVID, I think the kids who are in middle school during COVID are probably the bunch that school has been the most problematic for. A lot of kids, for example, who started Walker barely ever got to go there before they were suddenly looking up and walking the halls of high school because of COVID. That said, of course, there is one million variables that are impacting youth behavior, but I do believe the current high school group got robbed of their middle school development because of the pandemic. That's a great comment. It yeah. is. Um, I will say, though, and I agree with it, but I think it can, we can apply it to a lot of them because okay. my oldest um, graduated during the shutdown. But we had the opportunity to try to keep life as normal as possible uh-huh. because we homeschooled. She also, she had a local internship and she worked outside of the home. And we were able, for the most part, to keep up with her academics. Now, so she goes off to college and most of her peers haven't had normal school for two years, right? And she said, no one's and not that this doesn't happen anyway. I mean, those of us have been in college now. But she said, no one's going to classes. They just want to party all the time. She said, and when I finally asked, she said, their response was, I didn't get a normal senior year. I didn't get any time to goof off or take, so a, or take a break or what. Yeah. And so they're choosing to use that expensive college tuition to, to have the fun they had planned on having their senior year. Um, 
where she and a few of her fellow homeschoolers were ready to crack down and and get going. So um, I definitely, I agree with him. I definitely think it affected those middle schoolers who never really had a middle school experience. But it, I mean, it, it affected all of our kids. Think, think of a kindergartner, then all of a sudden they're going into second grade when they've never been in a classroom. It's, it's a problem. Uh, deep throat for Ginny Who. Ginny is right to be worried about getting government interference with government money. Heck, Hillsdale College has strategically refused to take federal money. And now the uh, folks in the education department are making the case that Hillsdale should have to follow DOE standards on Title IX because being a nonprofit is a form of government funding. Uh, the Dems' desire to crush any independent poles of education is incredible. Um, pulse of education, I think he says. Everything in the state, nothing outside the state, nothing against the state. Um, he says, that's Mussolini right there for you. And he also says, deep throat, funny where the real fascists in our political system lie. Mm -hmm. um, that's from uh, one of our uh, active and top-ranking commenters, deep throat, on Twitter. John Blair on LinkedIn, thanks for mentioning this and for Ginny's response. I love the commentary on audio learning. I think about those 30 to 50 kids at Charlottesville High School, and I really do wonder if those kids would flourish if they were in a different learning teaching environment. I don't like the idea of just writing those children off as discipline problems yeah. without at least exploring whether they could learn if there was a different opportunity for them. Um, Britton Trimble, I love this peer-to-peer -peer conversation, and I love that your kids are comfortable with all age groups, says the only child who grew up hanging out with as many adults as many adults as kids. And that's from Britton on your uh, Facebook page. Show's blowing up right now. This question has come into the uh, mix. Does she have a ballpark of what this specifically may cost homeschooling okay. on a year-to-year -year basis? And then the opportunity cost it has caused her and her family being at home as opposed to doing other pursuits. Okay. Um, both excellent questions. The first one, I'm going to be a little bit like Judah here and say it, it depends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so depending on what you have found to be the best, um, because there, there are different educational philosophies out there, if, and if you're not familiar with that, um, I can, I don't want to do a deep dive into those, but, um, they can reach out to you off air. They are welcome to. Okay. Um, so Different ones are going to cost different things. There are, believe it or not, some free online programs out there that you can use. Um, one is Easy Peasy. Uh, I, we use bits and pieces of it at the younger stages. I don't recommend it so much for high school. I, I personally think you need a stronger academic background than that. Um, but there are options out there um, that won't cost you a dime. Especially for those younger years, you do not need to spend a lot of money. Children, I know that we think they need to sit down and do worksheets and that kind of thing, but children really learn best through play. And um, I mentioned before that my youngest is a really good cook. She knew her fractions and how to multiply and divide fractions and all that through cooking before she ever sat down and did it in a math book. That's awesome. It, it made complete sense to her that way. And I can tell you, knowing her learning style, if we had sat down and tried to do it on a worksheet... She wouldn't have been interested. Mm -mm. But with it, cooking, would, it would have been worse than not being interested. Let me. Tell you. And she, this is some of her genius. She helps. Yes. Oh, these cookies! I'm having another <laughs> one, sweetheart. There's one less cookie coming home. Go ahead, Ginny. Um. 
So, and and, my sweetheart, and I some, met my wife who's watching. Yeah, too, yeah. Not my, we, we are. Okay, <laughs> okay. I just want to clarify for the haters out there here. Ginny, I'm oh, sorry to interrupt. Someone will still yeah. take that one I little know they clip. Know. And everything I say, <laughs> I know. There'll be a meme. I know. Um, other things as they get older, it really depends on what you want to do. I have, and I've done a variety of this. I have spent the money when we had it to full-on science experiments at home. That can get a little pricey, especially at the high school range. But I've also paid way less to have it done at a local co-op where I don't, I'm not buying the earthworms and cow eyeballs to dissect and all, and all that stuff. Um, also, you can find used curriculum. I will say, um, what's it called? Is it just called the bookstore? Judah will know. What's the used bookstore over mm. in Shoppers World? The book room. Uh, the book room, yeah. Okay. <clears throat> you will be amazed at what I found in there to homeschool with. Okay. You know? And when you're done with it, you can turn it back around and get credit to buy something else. Most of the classics we needed we found in there. I've even found teacher's manuals and things in there. You know, it's hit or miss. You never know what you're going to get. There's also... Um, so specific, each state, if you're watching in a different state, um, will have their homeschool groups that look out for homeschool laws. They lobby the local government, well, your state government for here. You know, they, they meet with the General Assembly. They stay on top of things. Admiral County just tried to um, break homeschool law, and they got things straight with them. So How do they try to break homeschool law? Part of it they've done for years, and I've personally just ignored it because I know better. In the state of Virginia, you are not approved to homeschool. You give your jurisdiction a notice of intent that you are homeschooling. So it's not an approval. Almoral County has always loved to say, you know, they'll send your letter back, you're approved, and I just laugh because whatever, you know. <laughs> but they also, they in the past few years, they've switched to wanting you to use an on, their online form. And their online form actually asks for more info that's le- been legally, excuse me, legally required for you to huh. homeschool. And, um, and so it's uh, our big group in the state is called Home Educators Association of Virginia. It's HEAV.org. And they stay on top of that stuff for us. They also have a wonderful homeschool convention in Richmond every year. And the highlight of it always for me is they have a used curriculum sale. And we're talking cheap stuff. And so, for instance, I have not bought math since I bought it for my first, because she used it, then the second one used it, and now the third one's using it. So um, that's another way to save money. Now, keep in mind, if your kids don't learn the same way, then, um, sorry, Um, if your kids don't learn the same way, then you might need a different math program for each. That just is an example of what worked for us. Does that answer cost-wise? Oh, yeah. Cost oh, yeah. Wise? Uh, Lane Richardson is giving you props right now. Carly Wagner, who homeschools her kids, said homeschooling literally can be free. Mm-hmm. It's up to the parents. Carly Wagner says, I end up spending about $500 to $1,000 per year per kid. And that's on the higher end. And it she is, uses yeah. uh, Memoria Press and yes. Saxon. Uh, so we use Saxon for math, Carly. Um, I have used some of Memoria's stuff. Um, so here's the other options. If you're busy and you have the funds, you can buy a whole prepackaged curriculum that covers a whole entire grade. That, that is an option out there for you. We are what they like to call eclectic homeschoolers because I pick and choose what we're using from different places. But she's absolutely right. You can do it free. I found that a little bit difficult here because our regional library actually does not co- 
doesn't have a lot of the stuff that I wanted to use. So that got a little tricky. But if you're somewhere with a fabulous library system, it can definitely be done. All right, we'll do this. Um, and Judah, jump in. If anything you want to talk about, give me a sign. Show is yours. <laughs> um, I'll throw this to you. If you were, I'll give a hypothetical. Let's say you're in a position of influence and authority when it comes to public schools and or even higher on the totem pole. What would you do to improve the schools short-term, middle-term, and long-term? That's hard. Um, I do think immediately you need clear expectations and rules that you're going to enforce, um, which will lead to teachers feeling safe in the classrooms again, and you'll hope, I don't know if you'll get back the ones you already lost, but hopefully you'll have the new generation coming up that truly wants to be in the classroom. Hopefully that would make them feel comfortable doing so. We, um, okay, I'm getting ready to open a can of worms. You ready? Yeah. Um, the focus needs to be back on reading, writing, and arithmetic, not on DEI. Um, and that doesn't mean we don't show compassion in schools. It doesn't mean empathy is not there. It simply means your focus isn't on the next big cultural topic rather than, you know, learning how to do algebra. Judy, you want to touch that? <laughs> Judy's like, no way. Judy's enjoying your cookies right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, she alludes to politics... Um, taking um, an influence over curriculum um, and, and uh, agendas mm -hmm. influencing curriculum as opposed to ABCs, one, two, threes, and accountability, which was the curriculum uh, foundations that I think the three of us were raised and schooled upon. Um, we're in the epicenter of this in Almaro County. You want to touch that topic? JDOPs. I think that's what concerns so many people about the uh, the results of the the school board election is that we have policies that clearly have not been working, and rather than um, I think as you mentioned earlier, rather than having a a, a discourse, <clears throat> rather than electing someone who possibly has a different view of things. And who may provide a different uh, a different perspective on <clears throat> on how to move forward. Instead, we've got someone who probably is, you know, largely has the exact same beliefs as the people that are currently on the school board and those that were on the school board before them. And it feels like we're just doubling down on on poor policy and. I think that's kind of sad. I, you know, I, it's not just about our schools. I think it's it's about our our culture as Americans. We've got this <clears throat> we've got this uh, uh, this idea, not an idea. We we just everything is becoming so uh, so belligerent, and uh, nobody seems willing to to listen listen and discuss and you know. Uh, Agree to disagree. Yeah. Make There's a line in the sign. Sam. Yeah. Uh, 
sometimes the answer is that nobody's happy, uh, right? Uh, but like that's how that's how deals go, right? A good deal is when nobody is happy. Uh, some of the best deals I've ever been a part of um, are the uh, deals where both people leave the closing table sour, <laughs> and that's an indication that the deal was perhaps fair. When no one leaves the closing table um, feeling like, like they got exactly what they wanted, I'll, I'll throw this topic here as a closing topic. I think anyone who watches this talk show knows where I stand, but I, my job as a host is to continue the conversation and play devil's advocate if we need to have a devil's advocate opinion. Um, for those that are new to the program that may be watching on Ginny's page, I'm very libertarian in thought, very small government uh, you know, perspective. I want a small government. I want the government out of my business. Uh, Physically conservative and socially liberal on a lot of topics. Um, my kids, uh, our kids, are our life. We would do anything for them. We are doing everything for them, um, even if that means you know putting uh, what my wife and I want um, on the third, fourth, fifth, sixth burner, uh, so they could have uh, a better life than she and I had. Um, devil's advocate for the sake of a talk show. We live in a county, in Almoral County that votes Democrat over and over and over again. Um, to say that the county is blue is an understatement. I know during um, certain periods, folks have made the argument that it's evolving into a purple county, um, but it's still very, very blue. We saw this in the past election. All the school board races uh, went with one political party. Um, all the board of supervisor races went with one political party. Um, you're talking state senate, you're talking delegate. It was overwhelmingly Democrat. This is the question I have for you. If this is how folks are voting in Almaro and in Charlottesville, then is this not what the community wants? Does, is this not an indication that the community wants to see potentially DEI-influenced uh, curriculum in schools? Uh, is this not an indication that the community does not want school resource officers? in the hallways or at the front entrances, no metal detectors, less accountability, um, hands-off approach. Um, is that not where we live? Um, I would argue it's actually people <clears throat> losing faith in the election process. Okay. I, unfortunately, because I, I talk to people who say this and I try to argue against it, they're like, there's no point in going to vote because my issue's never going to be heard, and my candidate's never going to win. Um, so there's that, apathy. Yes, and, okay. that, um, and I would like to counter with, well, that's how we got to this point. <laughs> so, and what you see, and it doesn't mean they don't care, but these are a lot of the people you see pulling their kids for private school and homeschool because they don't think any changes are going to take, or the changes that they wish would take place are going to take place. And so... Um, they're voting with their feet instead of with their ballot would be my counter argument to that. Jay Dubs. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly some truth to the fact that uh, there are places you can live where there's not really much you can do in terms of voting. And uh, what do you do? Do you move somewhere where everyone else is voting exactly like you? Do you move to some place where the where the the polls are fairly even, so you might actually have a chance of of tipping the the balance in one direction or another. I mean, it's a it's tough. Uh, 
Charlottesville, chances are, you know, if you're on the, if you're if you're a conservative or, or um, or just a, you know, in the middle, you pretty much know what you're going to get, no matter who you you want to win, and. How do you? I can understand it. I go and vote, but most. Of the, I mean, it's not like we really have. Then why do you still vote? And I ask that not to, uh, you know, un, you know, de-influence or or discourage you to vote. I'm just curious of why you vote. I mean, part of it is just it's you know ingrained in me. It's something that uh, it's something that you do. Um, the other part is, I you never know. Uh, it could be that uh, it could be that uh, in this election, this election, I just mean this election in general. This next, past cycle, specifically. No, 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 I just mean in general. The okay. next election, it could be that this election is the election where the apathy is on the other side, and nobody from the other side comes out and votes, and my vote actually matters, and uh, we get a change or something. And so I think the. Um, uh, the not knowing and uh, and the civic duty of it combined to uh, get me into the polls every time. I like it. And, Jenny, I'm going to give you some closing thoughts. I vote because every vote matters. And even if we're going to lose by a landslide, uh, what I believe in is going to lose by a landslide, I still vote because showing up is what we do in life. I am the son of a Cuban immigrant who escaped Cuba months before Castro took over with her parents. And all she was allowed to bring to America was a backpack with her personal belongings. My Mima and Poppy, my grandparents, her parents, all they could bring was a suitcase in each hand. That's it. They left their house. They left their personal possessions. They left their things, their friends and family, to come to Miami, Florida, because they were afraid of dying and being murdered by a communist dictator named Fidel Castro. And when they came to Florida, to Miami, from Cuba, they did it with the foundation and the focus of personal freedom, of creating a better life for my mom who was in the third grade. And I find that inspiring to this day. And when we talk about this, my brother and I, with my mom over the holidays, she gets emotional to this day about this experience. Um, and that's why I vote, and that's why I know that every vote matters, because there was three people in my family who got on a boat after midnight to leave an island to go to the best country in the world because of freedom. And part of freedom is democracy. Um, show is yours. You have exceeded my expectations. Thank you. Exceeded my expectations. I look forward to this concept of highlighting some of our favorite commenters and viewers and listeners on the show in the future. Um, anywhere you want to go, Carly says to Judah and Ginny, I think an indication, I think voting and the results in this area when it comes to voting um, is an indication that there are a ton of people in their 50s and older that simply have no idea what schools are like today and they just vote for who their party tells them to vote for. I think it's a huge downfall of the two-party system. The two-party system, I'll add to that, is dividing this country. And social media is furthering that divide, mm -hmm. where there's this line, this proverbial line out there, and you either have to be on one side or the other. And you can't be straddling that proverbial line with perspectives that may relate to the left and may relate to the right, <clears throat> but it's okay for you to be in the middle. 
for some reason, we lost that ability for it to be okay to, to be in the middle. And that stinks. That stinks a lot. Show's yours, um, Ginny. I am truly grateful for your time. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, one thing I think somebody did ask that I didn't cover, they asked about what opportunities my husband and I have lost by choosing to homeschool. Can I hit that one yes, real quick? Yes, absolutely. Um, there is no doubt that... Um, You've been scarlet lettered in some circles, haven't you? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, yeah. Because you're, you're, you're almost renegades. You're not choosing to go the path of social normalcy, and people are like... Some people don't know how to handle that. They don't. Well, and so that, that's the social challenge there, right? Um, we, we had family members who were not on board for that first year, and then they saw the results, and they, then they got came it. on board right. very quickly. My grandparents were huge supporters from the get-go. Um, my grandmother in particular was thrilled that we were going this route. But, yeah, so, because here's the other thing, too. I will warn you, if you choose to homeschool, it leads you down the rabbit hole for other freedoms as well. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, so then you become even more of the, you know, out, labeled outsider type thing. But, um, but my kids never felt that way. I will say, you know, my husband and I bore a little bit of that. But did, th- you shield, did you shield them? Well, um, no, I don't really think we did. My, my oldest was in a private school, and she was so miserable that I remember her breaking down in tears of joy when we informed her in April that we were going to homeschool the following year. So, <laughs> and um, she already knew a few homeschoolers. She had friends, that, you know, so that, um, and her, she didn't lose any friends either. Like everybody she had already made friends with through the quote unquote regular school system maintain their friendship. So, um, so no, I don't think we shielded them from that. I mean, maybe, but I can't remember any specific circumstances. So that's a social challenge. Um, I think the listener in particular was asking financial mm-hmm. challenge. Mm-hmm. First of all, I want you to think about it, though. Um, there are already plenty of married couples who only have one income. So if you're already in that situation, that's not making a huge difference. Unless, yes, you've been in public school and now you're choosing to pay for some curriculum. Um, just plan ahead and budget for that. It can be done. I will say you'll find a lot of homeschool moms get very, very creative. I sold homemade baby food at the farmer's market. I hope you sold your cookies. I didn't, but you know, now, you now should. y'all. How much would you pay for this tin? Let's say there's 30 cookies in this tin. How much would you pay for this, Judah? 30 cookies? That's, <laughs> is 30 cookies safe to say? Would you say, would you say 20, 20 cookies, Ginny? I'd say it's probably closer to 20 in there. 20? Yeah, I don't know. How much would you pay for this tin right here? Tin included. Um, As a gift for Christmas. I don't know how much the tin is worth. I have, but, I uh, have an idea. Um, what, what would you pay? This, these cookies are damn good. <laughs> I'd, pay, I'd pay probably $10 or $15 plus whatever the cost of the tin is. I pay $15 all day every day. $15 a tin. All day, every day, and twice on Sunday for this as a gift to somebody, uh, friends, family, office oh, no gift, doubt. all day, every day for these. Yeah. I swear, if you brand these, you, Ginny's 
holiday cook. I mean, we'll come us. They are so good. These are so Thank good. Thank you. Um, but that's a segue right into what I was going to say next. Because you, you just gave me another stream of income. Okay. And that's mm-hmm. something something you two know very well. And a lot of homeschool mothers embrace is multiple streams of income. Oh, yeah. Um, we do know that well. And, and we get creative. And so once, you know... Once you find your your path of how you're going to teach your kids, and it, then you start adding in those income streams, and it is totally doable. It is. I'm not going to say there weren't rough times, there were, but um, but you learn from those. Um, Georgia Gilmer, welcome to the program. I appreciate your comment, Georgia. Well, cl- I got one more question I should have asked already. Um, what's the role or the limitations you place? on screen time and social media with your kids. Is there? Um, probably not enough. I'll, okay. I'll be completely honest. Uh, you know, each kid is a, a work, you know, is a learning experience, and each kid reacts to it differently. The rule in our house is you cannot have a phone until you have your own job. That's awesome. So, I love that. Um, but both of my older two got jobs at 15. Okay. I, would, I would have preferred to wait on the phone even a little bit longer. Where do they, where do they work? At 15. Um, so my oldest worked at the little gym. Okay. R.I.P., right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. That's sad. Little gym. Yeah, yeah that that's, a, sad. that's another one we lost. Yeah. Um, and then my middle is a summer camp counselor at Camp Shenandoah, which is the Boy Scout summer camp for, nice. our, for our council. Okay. Yeah. So. Um, that's a great the, rule. No yeah. cell phone, no smartphone, no iPhone, unless you have a job. Correct. Love um, that rule. They, do, they are allowed. My youngest in particular works well with noise in the background. Okay. So she has, they don't even make them anymore. One of those really old, like little iPod touches, thing, whatever things. Oh, yeah. Um, so she has headphones and listens to music while she does her work. Okay. Which is, is not a good thing for everybody. I'm going to say that right up front. It's what works for her. I, we, when they were younger, we had very set limits. Um, they're old enough now, not so much. My, basically, my rule is if I need you to do something or your work is not done, then you're going to lose it. I'm going to take everything away. <laughs> you know? Um, something I bet you wish still existed that was around when mine were really little. Um, before it was Nick Jr., the, sh- the channel was called Noggin. Okay. And Noggin came on at 6 a.m. Uh-huh. and went off at 6 p.m. Okay. 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 So, like, if I'm cooking dinner, I would say, look, you know, you can, you can watch two shows, but you know Noggin goes off at ah. 6 p.m. And, okay, this is a total cop-out. It wasn't my fault. Right. I, it was I Noggin's fault. I wasn't taking it away. <laughs> right. Because we have to deal all the time with YouTube still there. Why are you telling me I can't take YouTube? So, we ended up having to be, we ended up, like, being the, the bad guy when it comes to taking YouTube away from our kindergartner. He's like, what do you mean I can't watch YouTube? Yeah. But it's Noggin's see, fault. See, and what you're experiencing, we experience with our youngest. Okay. But it, um, the older two still, even though they had little tablets or whatever, it just wasn't as prevalent for right. them as it has been for her. And for reference, she's 12 now. So uh, it's definitely been harder with her. And this is the, uh, any parent can relate to this, the black hole of YouTube when it comes to children and them just watching worthless content that numbs their mind for hours upon end. It is literally the thing that I distaste the most about this experience we call parenthood. 
where I can be next to my oldest son, screaming his name almost at the top of my lungs, and he is watching the iPad, streaming YouTube, and literally does not hear me. It is an indication that it's basically drugs. Yeah. Uh, you are awesome. Thank you. you Thank you awesome. so much for having me. Seriously, this was an absolute breeze. You are awesome. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Jenny Thompson, guys, as many po- people have put in the feed, and as we want to highlight yet again, a wealth of knowledge. Judah Wickhauer's got uh, some of uh, Ginny's baked cookies to eat. My family will be eating these as well um, today. I have no doubt that this tin will be completely empty um, by morning. We have our in-law spending, my in-law spending the month of December at our house, and my oldest has a sweet tooth, as does Dad. This is the Wednesday edition of the I Love Seville show, where we spent 97 minutes with a Charlottesville stakeholder that is a fantastic resource on a lot of topics in Ginny Thompson. The show is archived anywhere you get your podcast. It is archived on ilovesevil.com. We encourage you to visit ilovesevil.com where the jack of all trades, Judah Wickhauer, has published a story on the best places to cut down your Christmas tree. And am I hearing correctly that you are working on a... Christmas light story that's going to be out later today. Is that right? Hopefully. Um, one thing I will say about the Christmas trees, um, there are a lot of places out there, but the one thing that I noticed the most is that a lot of these places have, have already stopped. Mm-hmm. So if you don't have a tree yet, you might want to get that, get out there today. Get out there immediately. Post and, haste. And if you, or if you're not cutting your own, this is a shameless plug here. Rather yeah. than going to Lowe's, go to one of the Boy Scout tree lots. I love it. Yeah. Which one? How about an even more shameless plug? Which one specifically? The Pantops location. The Pantops location. <laughs> or you may see, is he an Eagle Scout? He is an Eagle or Scout. Or you may see an Eagle Scout by the moniker Thompson <laughs> out there. Um, I just don't want them to go to Lowe's. Right. And, you know, I understand Lowe's employs local folks. But I want to keep the, the, the money into a local business. Yeah. Um, but I concur with what you said. We went to Foxfire this past weekend. And it was, uh, and I love Foxfire. I'm not hating on Foxfire. I love Foxfire. It's our family tradition. But it was slim pickings at Foxfire. Um, all right. That's the show. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We are back tomorrow at 1230 with the I Love Seville show. So long, everybody, and thank you for joining us. Jay, that was awesome. He's going to tell us.